to 15 Minutes with 5G, a bi-weekly discussion with the industry's big brains about the latest developments in 5G and what they mean for consumers, businesses, and society in general. I'm Lori Spiegel, 5G Campaign Manager at Ericsson North America and your host for this podcast. Today we'll explore a part of the mobile architecture that I call the middle child. That would be the transport network, connecting the mobile cell sites to the core network. You know, the middle child seems to get the least attention, and perhaps so with transport. With 5G technology moving out of the lab and into the marketplace, the transport network must evolve with the shift to a 5G radio access network, or RAN. I'm delighted to be joined by Shane McClelland, Vice President of Strategy for Transport Solutions in North America. Shane, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today. My pleasure, Lori. Terrific. How about we start with a basic understanding of the transport domain in mobile networks? Sure. RAN transport in the 2G, 3G, 4G world, traditionally called mobile backhaul, is relatively straightforward. We've all seen the network diagram. Some of you may have even designed and built a RAN backhaul network in the past. It's been basically the same for quite a while. If we break it down, traditionally, you have a fully contained macro cell site with an antenna, radio, baseband, all the radio components in one physical location with a cell site router. That cell site router then connects to the mobile packet core by way of an IP cloud over a fiber optic cable or a point-to-point microwave radio link. It looks more or less the same in each mobile network operator with some slight variations on the overall theme, of course. Hmm, that's great. So then what is happening to the 5G RAN that's going to drive changes to today's mobile backhaul networks? Yeah, from my perspective, there are three major drivers in 5G that will impact RAN transport in the coming years. First, there's a race to a gigabit per second over the air to a user device. Second, 5G will coexist with today's LTE networks for quite some time. And third is radio densification. These drivers seem to be very radio-centric. So what does this mean for transport? My view is that, in general, the underlying transport network architecture we've become accustomed to over the years will have to evolve, just as the RAN evolves in 5G. Let's take the first one, what I'm calling the race to a gigabit per second over the air to a device. Devices hitting the market today are UE Cat 15, 16 ready, which means they're capable of gigabit per second speeds. For example, the iPhone 8 is capable of a gigabit per second down. HTC has models on the market today as well. The other device manufacturers will follow. Also, we have massive MIMO radios that are in the trial phase now, some with multiple ports requiring greater than 10 gigabits per second connectivity. Additionally, basebands that support 10 gig capacity for backhaul are already being deployed now. So one can argue how many use cases will require gigabit per second over the air in the coming years. However, it's clear that this ecosystem is coming together now. We already know that our customers' unlimited data plans are stressing the networks today. And as you can read in the recent headlines from operators globally touting their gigabit service capacity advancements. So when doing RAN transport planning, this will drive changes to today's RAN transport architectures, especially in the last mile and the aggregation parts of the network. We're collecting empirical data now as well. You know, for example, in the recent massive MIMO trial Ericsson successfully completed with Sprint, the radios were pushing over a gigabit per sector. This is a significant increase in transport bandwidth as compared to LTE per sector bandwidth today. Okay, then I, I think I get the need for speed. So why don't we turn to your second point? Uh, you mentioned the fact that 4G and 5G will coexist with each other. And in my mind, this is very different from what we've had in the past when we were upgrading, say, from 2G to 3G, and then again from 3G to 4G. 
because these were substitutions of one generation to the next. So tell me, what's changed with rolling out 5G? Yeah, well, 4G and 5G will play different roles. For the mobili mobility use case, deployment models are looking like 4G will continue to be a great coverage layer, and 5G radios will be deployed for capacity augmentation. And then you have other specific use cases like fixed wireless access and massive machine-to-machine -machine type communications. I guess if 4G and 5G will coexist, that must mean that the transport will have to coexist as well. And so what has to happen to make that work seamlessly? Basically, the 4G and the 5G radio network elements must become aware of each other. The RAN transport network essentially becomes the underlying glue enabling radio coordination, which is key to implementing advanced radio features like carrier aggregation, uplink and downlink coordinated multipoint, and LTE license assisted access. For these features to work best, ultra-low latency between RAN network elements is vitally important. So not only will 5G RAN transport networks need to support capacity demands, but also support low latency network requirements, enabling functions like network-based timing and sync distribution and distributed IPsec gateway. So we've talked about download speeds and the fact that 4G and 5G will have to be working together as partners. So why don't we turn to your third item, uh, what, what you mentioned, cell densification. Can you explain that one? Sure, basically, well, smaller cells. This is a significant change and a major challenge for transport brought on by the 5G wave. As a macro cell site disaggregates, radios will get smaller and more densely deployed. And we know the FCC approved frequencies for 5G are in the millimeter bands, you know, 3.5 gigahertz, 28 gigahertz, 39 gigahertz, etc. Going up spectrum means smaller radio coverage areas. Hence, radios will get smaller and more densely deployed in a variety of locations like lampposts, telephone poles, sides of buildings, etc. Okay, uh, so with smaller cells, I've read that in some cases, it, it really makes sense to move the functionality in the baseband away from the radio location to a more centralized configuration. Yeah, implementing 5G RAN will fundamentally change the RAN architectures we're used to today. The traditional macro site, as we know today, will disaggregate. In situations where it makes sense, antenna radio combinations will be geographically separated from the basebands. This idea of co-locating basebands is referred to as centralized RAN. Additionally, the baseband itself will have disaggregate further using virtualization technology where radio control functions will move to the cloud and radio processing functions can stay close to the radio, enabling concepts like the network slice. So you see, with 5G, there will be several RAN architectures depending on business needs and serving geography. Distributed RAN, centralized RAN, virtual RAN will all be viable 5G RAN architectures that have to work together. Each of these architectures has varying transport interfaces specified, and each interface has specific requirements for the transport network in terms of design, capacity, latency, and of course, we factor in security as well. Well, that, that sounds like an awful lot uh, of things to think about. Um, well, let's turn to the business implica implications of all of this. So uh, with uh, CRAN and VRAN architectures, can you talk a little bit about those uh, business impacts to the operators? Sure. Advantages for mobile operators are lower TCO in terms of operational expenses like lower real estate rents and lower AAV fiber leasing fees, and in some cases, even lower CapEx. Also, we're exploring how these new RAN architectures, working in a coordinated fashion, will improve radio performance and subscriber quality of experience. Okay, very, very good. It's, a, it's a, a certainly a different architecture, and it, it means a lot uh, more transport links uh, to reach each of, the, each of those radios out there. 
Yes, for sure. Availability of transport facilities can be a problem, as well as the ability of the transport network to deliver the capacities and latencies necessary for a 5G RAM. But this also represents an opportunity in terms of increased customer satisfaction and reduced churn. Okay, terrific. So uh, let me sum up a little bit. Uh, first, 5G transport must meet very strict requirements for performance, capacity, latency, and security. And it uh, also has to support the coordination between many, many more cell sites, including those that will coexist with today's 4G technology. But uh, we really haven't explored the implications on the physical transport in infrastructure. Can you comment on that? Yeah, that's true. In terms of physical connectivity, there are additional considerations for transport networks in terms of fiber availability, fiber distances, and how microwave radios can be used for 5G transport as well. Okay, so you're saying that dark fiber is the only way to meet the stringent demands on the 5G RAN transport? And dark fiber is definitely one solution, but there are several other options that work just as well. And oftentimes, you know, what we've learned in our deployments is that the actual fiber distance between a remote radio unit and a corresponding baseband can be many kilometers long or not available when needed. Long fiber runs can result in round-trip latencies exceeding 5G RAN interface specifications, not to mention the sheer number of dedicated fibers that will have to be available. In cases where dark fiber can't meet the functional requirements or is unavailable or too costly, dense wavelength division multiplexing systems are a low-cost, high-performance option. Additionally, where fiber is not available or too costly to lease or deploy, gigabit-capable point-to-point microwave radio systems provide reliable, ultra-low latency connectivity for 5G RAN as well. So it seems that with 5G, there really are many options and alternatives uh, to consider. But to deliver on the, the true promise of 5G, the requirements for transport really must be factored in on par with the radio and core aspects and not be relegated to the status of what I call the middle child. Shane, thank you so much for enlightening us all. I really do appreciate your sharing your expertise and insights with me today. You're very welcome, Lori. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening. If you would like more information, please visit us at ericsson.com slash 5G dash North America. And if you like what you've heard, please subscribe to our podcast series, 15 Minutes with 5G. 